Welcome to Cover Girls, Drinking and Overthinking, in which we take a story we love and analyze how well it was adapted. I'm Chris. I'm Kristen. And I'm Allison. Join us as we meticulously pick apart our favorite stories until no stone is left unturned. It'll be bookish. It'll be boozy. It'll be bantersome. And it won't be boring. So grab a drink and get ready to overthink. Let's dig in. Yeah, I think we can maybe just go straight to introducing our new drinks for this episode. Uh, Chris, what are you drinking? I am drinking a mango-infused vodka drink, um, but it's actually very simple. It's the mango-infused vodka with Topo Chico. Y'all may <laughs> notice I am a fan of Topo Chico. <laughs> Love it. Sounds very refreshing. Kristen? I am actually, in the spirit of the movie... I am drinking a Coke in, just a simple Coke, in a glass bottle. Ooh, classic. Yeah, keeping it classic. Not unlike Stanley himself. I'm displaying on my camera, uh, which listeners can't see, but I am having a mimosa. By the way, guys, it's uh, almost 1 p.m. here. We started recording in the morning, so I'm still on breakfasty drinks. So I have a mimosa, but instead of orange juice, it is peach nectar. Ooh. Ayy. Ayy. Which actually outside of the holes theme is already my favorite kind of mimosa. My sister knows this. Yes. I like to do peach juice. Yeah. Oh, so good. Great. So it worked that's out perfectly. Great. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. All right. We ready to dig in? We're going to have to come up with other puns at some point. Yeah, we're going to need some new ones. Um, Okay, I I was trying to think of one and I couldn't, so never mind. Let's just go. Let's dig Um, up some... No. Yeah, I ran through a few things rapidly in my head and just decided (laughs) to ditch them all. Okay, so we are now... We just covered at the end of the last episode, um, Zero Finally Speaks... It's a big deal to everyone. Uh, One thing that I didn't get to mention um, that I just wanted to say super quick is that when Caveman is receiving his first meal, this is done so well. The sloppiness of the food and the delivery of the way they slop it down. Yep. And combined combined with the 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 audio, um, the screeching audio. Yes. Yeah. Today's meal will be. Yes. It's perfect, like, disgusting cafeteria food vibes. I love it. Yeah, whoever did fully, I hope they got paid extra this day. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> it sounds nasty. Yeah, it's it's great. So our next scene is the flashback to Caveman in Court, and it's Clyde Livingston saying, you are no fan of mine, and guilt-tripping him for stealing from homeless children. Thoughts? Oof. Well, as I as I mentioned in our last episode, again, this is a paradigm shifting moment for any yeah. time the camera does that straight on look into the camera close up. It's a paradigm shifting moment for our protagonist. And this is him feeling like a bad person, feeling like he maybe deserves to be here, even though he knows he hasn't done anything wrong. I think it's it's him feeling yeah. it's him feeling the effects of the bad luck and feeling like. He deserves to be here, not because he did anything wrong, but because everyone, all the men in my family deserve bad things to happen to them. 
And something I pick up from him uh, that I think that all three of us can relate to as the type of people and women we are is he's so genuine and humble. I'm not calling myself humble, but I'm just talking about him. (laughs) As someone who is also (laughs) genuine and humble. (laughs) Yeah, hold on. Let me land. Let me land. Let me land. So so he's so genuine and humble um, and a little bit insecure. He's not totally found who he is yet, that he's willing to consider at any point, is this true? is this thing that someone else is saying about me or to me true, mm. even though I don't think it is? Um, mm-hmm. He's questioning facts and what he knows to be true because he's so like, well, I could be wrong. He's like, he's not sure enough about himself. And it's, it's a beautiful quality to have, but when you go too far with it, it's detrimental. Well, you know, and he's also at such a vulnerable time in his life. I mean, what is he, 14? I mean, I'm I'm not sure. 14, but, 15, yeah. I'd say 15 yeah. at the oldest. You are trying to f- figure it all out, figure out who you are. And meanwhile, you have people looking at you, pointing at you and saying, I mean, you must be an awful person. Um, and not, not just anybody, your hero. Your hero yeah. has said that to you. And that was absolutely devastating. And I do feel like he is sitting there thinking, if everybody is telling me this, if I'm getting punished to this degree, there must be something intrinsically yeah. wrong with me. Yeah. And, I and I, right. I agree completely. And I think that's why he and Zero make such good foils to each other because they're both, they're both very retiring. You know, they're neither of them is going to volunteer themselves into a group. Right. But for Stanley, I think it is because it's because of insecurity and shyness and because he's still trying to figure himself out. And for Zero, it's exactly the opposite. Zero knows so well who he is that he knows he doesn't have to play these power games. Like, and it's that moment, skipping ahead, sorry, but where where Stanley says like, oh, I used to play in that park all the time. And, and Zero says, yeah, I used to sleep there. Dude, I have notes Ooh. on that. I can't yeah. wait. We we will, we, but but to back it up, I also want to point out before we go too far that, and I'm jumping back, but okay. when we get off the bus, we see we blend immediately into this. Like we've had a relatively normal color palette up till this point. The color yeah. red is so significant in this movie, and it his red hat stands out so much because as soon as we get to green, like you blend into this color palette of very, very faded tans, browns, oranges, and then that red, but all the oranges, you know, they're, they're covered in dirt. And that red of his hat just tells us this is our main character. Pay attention to him. And red Mm -hmm. only shows up a few times and it's always very important. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely noticed it. Of course, probably the most iconic part is when uh, Kate becomes Kissing Kate Barlow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of her, we get uh, first a quick flashback of uh, Yelnats, the ancestors, you know, um, which of course, Jewish music, the Jewish theme is playing again. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. And then we get our Barlow flashback, our first one, I believe, right? Is that, mm-hmm. And that's the one where she robs him, right? Where she... Yeah, exactly. Yes. So we see that version of her first, which is really Mm -hmm. interesting. We know where she's headed. 
Yeah, well, yeah, and it's where Stanley knows her from. He's he doesn't know her backstory. Mm-hmm. Actually, he kind of never does. We I, know, no. The the protagonist never really it never comes in, right? Well, he knows some of it because when he sees KB, he knows that must be Kate Barlow, and he says it might be a lipstick tube because she kisses the men that she kills. He he knows of kissing Kate Barlow. I think what Kristen was saying is he doesn't know the backstory of Kate and Sam. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's true. So even, actually, that's really interesting because he never has a moment of realization of who that ghost was that he saw. Yeah. He's probably so confused. (laughs) I mean, they they stay, I guess, in that that shipwreck boat. They they find the peaches there, but they don't actually know. Yeah, they never learn that story. Yeah, but but not to get too grand here. But how often are we aware that we are in the grips of destiny? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like if you if you zoom out, you can see it, yeah. sure. But like that's kind of that's that's what great artists do is they zoom out and help you to see the whole picture. But mm-hmm. we, when we're living it, we don't know that we're living destiny. I mean, usually if you're not a narcissist, you like don't know until after the fact that you were in the groups of destiny, unless you're constantly thinking like, is this my destiny? Am I integral in this moment? You know? (laughs) Right. And the answer is always no, by the way, unless you're George Washington, the answer is no. Um, Okay. I want to, I want to ask a question. Do we think they get the, they get to pick where they dig? No, they don't. No, I think they're led to those spots. Every well, they're day. they're led to those spots, but like, do you think like they're shown? You know, I mean, obviously, he like drives them out there, right? But do we think that they or walks? I don't know. Gosh, that's awful. Um, they obviously don't. Do yeah. we like? Does he put them in the bed of the truck? We see them walking. How far are they walking? Yeah, we've only ever seen one truck, so he can't load up every single. Uh, block. No, that's to, true. So they have to know? walk. They have to walk there yeah. first. And wow. they're having to walk farther and farther because right. obviously yeah. digging as there's more holes. Digging out farther oh, and farther. Yeah. Miles. I would I mean, remember we see in the beginning he's driving the bus past miles and miles. Yeah. So these boys are mm-hmm. having to walk miles before they can even begin to dig. Mm-hmm. Which just gosh, yeah. this movie's horrific. Ugh. But basically my question was, do we think, like, I think they're let out, but like, do we think they get to just like look at an expanse and be like, this ground looks soft? Or do you think he like stands there and goes right here? No, I I think he's too lazy for that. (laughs) (laughs) I I think he's just like, this is the area we're digging in, get going. And I think that they all just pick where they're going to go. That was my thought too. Okay. I have no strong opinions on the matter, so... (laughs) And I don't care. <laughs> Basically, sorry. No, 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 no. Keep I going. love that. I love that you care, though. Okay, so um, we have our Barlow flashback, and we learn that she only kisses the men she kills. Which I just wanted to ask: um, What are your thoughts on her real psychological intent behind that? Why does she kiss men after she's killed them? It's because it's a kiss that got Sam killed in the first place. The kiss was witnessed. And of course it was an interracial kiss. Um, And that is also brought up by the man who saw her. That would be um, the warden's ancestor. Trout Mm -hmm. is his name. Yeah, Trout. And the sheriff as well. 
when she goes to notify the sheriff. So I think that the kiss is maybe the reason in her mind why she's doing what she's doing. And therefore it is now her signature when she kills someone. But like, it seems like a, a punishment. Like, obviously I'm, I'm using this thing that you used against me and that you killed mm-hmm. my love for. But like, these are to strangers now. The, now she's robbing banks and doing self-serving things and then kissing men after she kills them. So I'm just curious, like the long term meaning, like I, it doesn't seem sustainable. Like does, does revenge not fade away within a year or two and you've already kissed the men and killed them that persecuted you? I'm curious about the broader scope. I'm I'm going to jump in again and say, I, I, once again, I think we have to bring this whole movie back to this movie's about power dynamics. And we, first of all, just within the context of the movie, we see at the beginning, she's more or less left alone. But as men become more interested in her, they're trying to force her to, in in the context of a children's movie, kiss them. Mm -hmm. And this is a thing that she's assumed by them to have no power over, right? Right. And they're, they, she even says, I I did this of my own free, like they say, say, he kissed you, right? And she says, no, 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 no. I kissed him. Him, yeah. Right. She's saying, no, 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 I had I had agency. And they're saying, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So when she's kissing them, she's saying, and she, right, she even says, oh, you want the kiss? This is what you want? I'm going to give you what you want if that's what yeah. you ask for. Yeah. She's, again, like Zero had very little power over what he could give them. So he kept the things that he had power over. She's saying, you think you wanted this? This is the thing that you claimed I had no power over. Now it's the thing that kills you. So she's finding her agency however she can. Yes. And she's she's tried playing by the rules. I mean, she lived according to society's standards. And I think that may be the reason why she has has gone farther than just taking revenge upon the people who hurt her and Sam. I think that she's decided this is the only way that I can own my power. Mm-hmm. Uh, now... Do I think that she was, uh, if the punishment met the crime, as far as the sheriff, uh, she didn't kill Trout. He was still alive, I think. Right. We need to talk about that later. But she doesn't kill Trout. She she curses him instead. And and we also have to talk about the power of curses in this movie. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So many curses. (laughs) But I, I also think it's important to notice that, like, we never really see, I suspect that she actually didn't kill very many people. I suspect that she killed the people that, aside from Trout, that, like, killed Sam. And I think she had something special saved for Sam. Or, sorry, not for Sam. She did have something special saved for Sam. But for Trout. Oh, yeah, she did. Peaches! That's what, it was peaches. (laughs) Um, But I think in general, that was the kind of thing, right, like Bonnie and Clyde. Right. Or like Stephen King wrote about like the sweetheart killers or the sweetheart robbers. Right. Like that was the Mm -hmm. kind of thing that made headlines back in the day. So I think she probably did it a few times. But basically, my point is she didn't kill willy nilly. She didn't kill 
the originally Stanley Yelnats because she didn't have to. He was like, yep, okay, yeah. here you go. Here's my money. And she was like, okay, fine. That's all we need. I don't think she killed anyone that she wasn't forced to or that hadn't wronged her. Um, I think we should move on. Please. Uh, so, <laughs> so they go to their first day at work. Um, well, caveman's first day at work. And he's grabbing his shovel. And I just put LOL shovel. The library. Library. <laughs> which which sick person do you think of the three sick people working there? Which do we think that was? The counselor for me. It's yes, gotta be mom. Absolutely. It's gotta be mom. Absolutely mom. <laughs> God dang. Right. That's which so again. Because yeah, the warden doesn't care enough and Mr. Sir no. also no. he's not a psychological torturer. Right. So. But not again, that. it just goes to show like mom mom has a special hatred for these kids in a way oh, that the yeah. other two do not. It is different. I mm-hmm. agree with y'all. I and what was what was funny was earlier in my notes I put right away when I met him. And I think this is me liking the actor. I put, oh, I love the counselor. I forgot how much I loved him. <laughs> mm. <laughs> 30 seconds later, I'm going, he's the worst. How dare he talk to Zero that way? Uh-huh. I was like, I, I think my impression um, that I, the impression that I've been left with is just that I love the actor and I think that he does the role so well. So I've been left with like, oh, he's fun to watch. He's interesting. He's a good actor, but he's a horrible person. We love people who play characters we love to hate. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes. Like freaking Joffrey in Game of Thrones. Ooh, right. Lord. Oh, don't get me started. So we learn that X-Ray's shovel is shorter and mm-hmm. uh, they head off to their first day. And, oh, this was interesting to me. When Mr. Sir is explaining how the digging works, Caveman astutely says, what am I supposed to be looking for? He reads the writing yeah. uh, right away. He's like, so what mm-hmm. am I looking for? And he says, no, you're building character. You make a bad boy. Dig all day in the sun. That makes him a good man. And No, we, no, he said he makes him a good boy. A good boy? Oh, that's a very good distinction. Take a bad boy, make him dig holes all day, he becomes a good boy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, we touched on this earlier, but I want to actually dig into, and I'm not trying to use that as a pun, but... Um, I really want to know if you think that hard labor in general makes someone a better person. I know there are a lot of nuances, but I want to open up that discussion. Yeah. I, in I, I general, think, yes. Yes. In general, it does build character. As 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 broad and unnuanced a generalization, if the answers are only yes or no. The but not yes. in the child abuse sense. Yes. <laughs> But that's the thing, right? Is is you immediately have to start qualifying it, right? Right. But but not in an abusey way. But but again, if my answers are only yes or no, I have to say yes. Yes. Okay. Agreed. If I only have yes or no, I say yes. Um, I think that the hard work I've done in my life has made me a better person. Um, but obviously, like that's not the only thing that makes you like you can't solve something that easily obviously like go make someone do hard labor and they become better it's not that simple i think we all know that but it's a really interesting thing to to discuss especially because i i mentioned this earlier in our last episode and we can talk more about the nuances of this it is technically true for caveman that over the course of the movie by digging holes he built character but what is actually true is that 
by going through hardship and making friends, he matured and built character. And Mm -hmm. also, was he already at the point in his life where he was just figuring out who he was and this is where a lot of growth naturally happens? I wonder that too. Well, there's also- Most kids are not going through that level of- A lot of kids would have given up, I think. Mm -hmm. And there's also the fact- that we came into this with him not having actually committed any crime. Right. So I don't know how much growth he has to do just because he actually wasn't a criminal or a troubled child in the first place. Now he did build confidence. I think that's, that's really what I mean when I say character is he doesn't have a lot of character at the beginning in terms of like, there's not a lot to hang your hat on. Right. He's, he's just like, Mm -hmm. yes, I've never been to camp. Yes, Mr. Sir. But he stands up for zero. He stands up for himself. Exactly. He starts making jokes. Like, yes, he starts. We'll talk about the group therapy scene later. Um, But he establishes his role in the hierarchy. um, Yes. And I also like, I know we've talked about how great the power dynamics are here. His first day digging, they're all kind of hazing him uh, and, you know, throwing their dirt into his hole and saying, mm-hmm. why don't you throw your dirt somewhere else, even though he's not throwing it in their hole. And um, it's just a beautiful depiction of who is in what position in the hierarchy. It's very, mm-hmm. very clear. And I think they do a good job. Hi, Mitch. That's uh, Kristen's cat. She's my my podcast companion slash co-host. Yes, her eyes are She beautiful. has the prettiest eyes. She's gorgeous. She's teeny tiny. She was a runt, so she's still kitten-sized. So then we get our next flashback. The flashbacks are some of my favorite parts. Um, we finally uh, have the Madame Zeroni introduction. Mm-hmm. Eartha and- Kit! How did oh. we not know as children that this was <laughs> Eartha mother freaking Kit? I know. Kit? Mm. And I want to say that my top memory from this whole movie... The one thing that lives rent-free in my mind is you and your family will be cursed for always and eternity. What is it like to be someone like Eartha Kitt whose every word is iconic and lives on forever just in in your natural day-to-day? I freaking no idea this was her until I rewatched and looked at the cast list and it blew my mind. Yeah, well, and she's in such a unique outfit. They've just made her look very much like, okay, old gypsy woman you know yes she stands she stands out so much and i'm just going to take the opportunity to point out that this was the fourth and final time that we get that that um close-up into Mm -hmm. her face the fourth paradigm shifting moment she looks into the camera and says if you forget to come back for madame zeroni it's because because this curse defines the entirety of the movie yes Yes. paradigm shift um i think that assess Oh, please, please, oh. please, go ahead. No, I was just going to compliment you. I think your assessment is really accurate about the zoom in moments. And yes. What they oh, yeah. I'm never going to talk agree. over you if you're complimenting me. Please <laughs> um, I have so many thoughts about this particular moment. Why did she say that? Because, because first of all, in general, he's probably not going to forget. Like, that's a weird thing to forget. Um, we know he does again for the sake of the plot, but also first, if somebody tells you don't forget to blah, 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 you will be cursed, right? Like it sticks in your memory. And also why did she know that that was the thing that he was going to forget to do? I have a lot of thoughts. I would say because payment was not immediate. 
a lot of time was going to pass between that conversation and the payoff for Madame Zeroni. That pig had to be fed, mm. carried up the mountain, sang a little nursery song to. How it had to grow. Pigs, how long does it take pigs to grow? Okay, so we looked it up. Okay, we're back. We looked it up. It takes about six months for a pig from birth. And that pig was obviously not a not a baby pig. What do you call a baby pig? Pigling? Piglet? Jeebers. Jeebers. <laughs> a pigling Jeepers. is what I went with. Um, okay, so let's let's call it five to six months that he was carrying this pig up every single day. So yeah, that's a good point a that maybe lot. she was. That's yeah, really it was a long heavy. Time. Know, <laughs> well, especially when it gets big. To be fair, though, interestingly enough, she does say you must carry it every time, um, but he doesn't. We see him leading it. Oh, that's a good point. And yet it does still seem to work. I exactly. Mean, still. Well, not fully. It doesn't become bigger than the other pig. Oh, but it yeah. does become just as big. Yes. No, that's a Which... good point, though. He cheated. Maybe. So maybe that had consequences. Maybe. And I, I am so excited to point out why does this girl like, okay, she gets her choice, which is unheard of. Right. In this day and or in that day and age, yeah, like yeah, yeah. she wasn't going to get a choice, but because the pigs were the same weight, her dad is like, okay, you can choose. This guy is younger, more handsome. He is fitter. He has flowers. He looks cleaner. Like it's just, but it's. I mean, really, it's it's really the only explanation we have is exactly like Madame Zeroni says: is she doesn't have two brain cells to rub together. But even on a visceral, primitive level, wouldn't you be drawn to the person who's more attractive? Which is well, which is especially hilarious because she can't decide, and then as soon as. Gregor's like, yay, I get the woman. Then she's all grossed out. Yes. But she's, this is a prime example of why living in the moment doesn't really work because she's not capable of thinking far ahead enough to be like, hey, which of these would I like? She's just like, I don't know. Pig big, pig small. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, she has an awareness too of like which pig looks good you know i mean she she knows that there is a difference and yet she doesn't apply that same logic to the two men in front of her it's just crazy but mm-hmm. she doesn't have logic i think is no. what we're getting back to. So. yeah and i'm pretty sure like she says i'm thinking of a number between one and ten i'm pretty sure she was gonna say 11 yeah yeah that's good if she can count that high exactly okay. so moving on moving on uh i just wanted to like address the fact that mr sir says to caveman got blisters it's still his first day at work he says got blisters well everything turns to callus in the end that's life Mm. and i love that quote i think it's very true it's it's definitely the most profound and accurate thing he says in the whole movie (laughs) Mm -hmm. and again it's true of what we see of caveman Mm -hmm. yeah so just a great quote Yes. And I also, I want to throw out there um, that there are only two things that I think keep this from being a perfect movie, and they are both things that have not aged well just due to movie-making techniques. One is okay. the slow-mo comes off as hokey to me personally. That's more of a taste thing. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Agree. And the other is not a taste thing. That CGI is ratchet. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that is just yeah. the age. No, it's no, it's early two thousands. I'm not gonna fault them for it. They that was the best tech that there was at the time. Yep. But I would love to see a remaster with just the CGI fixed. Right. So moving on to that scene, that's the next one. Um, Yelnats is at the showers, and the lizards behind him, and Mister Sir is like, uh, freeze. And that CGI lizard running toward him. Okay, not only, not only is it like pretty bad CGI, it's also terrifying. The combination of bad CGI with the thing they chose the lizard to do physically yes. is terrifying and it's something of nightmares. It's partially so scary because it's so bad that they, it doesn't <laughs> look real. So it's just like this like monster going uh-huh. right at you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so Stanley finally meets uh, the yellow spotted lizards. And then we get to this part that we mentioned earlier that I know we're all excited to talk about letters to home. So Stanley is writing to his mom. I don't know mm-hmm. if this is the letter y'all were talking about. We have a letter yes. going yes. home from Stanley. This is yeah, the letter I was talking about. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my first note here is Stanley is even more adorable. He's just so I wrote. Cute. I oh. wrote super conscientious kid. <laughs> yes. But okay. This, I don't think there's any getting around. This is a plot hole to me mm. because here's, here's the only thing that they would have to do to make this not a plot hole is have him take the letter, bring it up to Mr. Sir, have Mr. Sir read the letter or, or the doctor or mom, have him read the letter and go, okay. And then he can put it in the box. The fact that he, nobody checks the letter beforehand. And we're told multiple times that these kids like Zero's an exception. He was a ward of the state. Nobody's checking in on him. There is nothing keeping Stanley from saying, hey, yes, like he he may not even be aware that these things are violations of law or or illegal in some way. But, he, you know, just him saying like, hey, mom, this is what I did today. His mom could then go, holy cow, I need to get somebody on the phone. Right. The, right. the fact that they're not checking these letters, he didn't have to lie. We, we we know that that makes him an adorable kid because he's he doesn't want his family to worry. God bless him. But it's interesting they're lie. not monitoring that. Yeah, they should be. That's I don't see any way around that being not a plot hole. Mm-hmm. Chris, what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I if I were a person running a camp like that and doing so many illegal and inappropriate <laughs> things. I'd probably want to make sure to cover my tracks mm-hmm. and by that monitor the correspondence. Yeah. Um, I, but I will say as far as Stanley's motivation, I mean, I don't know that, that he's even, like you said, I don't, I'm not sure that he's aware that there's anything going on at this point that would be considered abusive. He, he's been sent there to be punished just like everybody yeah. else. Right. And so I think, I mean, everybody knows they're digging holes. I think, I mean, that's, I, I think the whole premise of the camp and that's the punishment. I don't think so though. I mean, the things he's telling, he doesn't talk to her about the holes. The camp is called Camp Green Lake. I don't know that even the judge knows for sure. I mean, he might, but like, I, I honestly we're, we're really always told, just thought and understood that they knew that the kids were digging. Yeah, I, mm. I had that impression as well. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. 
don't know, because he, he talks to his mom about, like, you know, we're we're hanging out in the water. We're... Yes. Oh, and can we talk about the juxtaposition here of him, like, saying the exact opposite of what's going on? It was it was very well done. Well, well done. Yeah. Like, the wildlife is impeccable yeah. or whatever. And there's the a food scorpion. Is great. <laughs> the little scorpion that they... That yes. was either fantastic CGI or I think more likely they just filmed a scorpion for several minutes until it did like yes. the perfect yes. little like. Yes, yes. And I also, um, I'm going to save, I'm gonna, I want to bookmark this conversation for the final episode, um, but remind me to come back to, we're talking about like flow of information and how much they manage it. And there's an interesting comment Armpit makes at the end, like, tell my mom I love her. No, no, tell my mom I'm sorry. Or, oh, tell my mom I'm sorry. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I want to go back to this discussion of, like, flow of information and what they're allowed to do and what they're not. So, yes, bookmark on that. Bookmark. Um, so, we're moving on. We get another flashback to, I'm just going to call it Old Town. So, these are the flashbacks that have uh, Kate and Sam and the town that used to have a lake. And we get some really nice foreshadowing where uh, we see Sam selling his onions and his onion adjacent products. And uh, this guy comes up, you know, the mayor comes up and, or I don't know if actually question. Which guy are you talking about? There are a well, couple. I'm talking about the son. Is he the mayor's son? I think he's the mayor's son. Like, okay. So yes. the mayor's son comes up, by the way, has a gold tooth. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> which, well, which is, which is the, I think they use to denote because we see him over the course yes. of he's yeah. unrecognizable even as an old man right 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 absolutely but yes. even he has deteriorated so much by the time that spoiler alert kiss and kate barlow dies <laughs> that like yeah. he is unrecognizable from his like dandy self yeah yeah that's by a the way, great I have point to say, oh sorry i just have to say i feel for this guy because i just i clicked on his imdb and it's just even just from his portrayal in this movie and just his face, you can tell that like, he's probably a really sweet guy, but he <laughs> gets probably gets cast as the douchebag all the time because he just has that face. He does. He's just such a punchable face. It and I, is. you know, he's probably a wonderful man. That's all. <laughs> okay. So we have the mayor's son, uh, Trout, right? Trout. And yes. his name. Yeah. And um, he comes up with this group of guys and they have a dead man on the cart. And we have some nice foreshadowing where Sam says, he didn't know yellow spotted lizards don't like my onion juice. Mm-hmm. That's just a quick little line that passes by. Um, and obviously that comes into play later. And then I also just want to say, not only does he have the gold tooth trout, but he's like smoking a cigar. It's just such a look, such he, a vibe. I'm telling you. Yeah. He's just, this poor man has douchebag written all <laughs> over him. <laughs> Probably so, a wonderful husband and father. So before I move on from this quick flashback, um, anything y'all wanted to say about that, about Sam's yes. onion stand? Well, not not about the onion stand, but I have something to say about Sam and Kate. Okay. She makes a point that he is like no, no older than 25 years old. She is obviously much older than 25. <laughs> I'm holding my expressions over here, listeners. I'm like waving at my face and laughing because yes, yes. I And that was more pronounced to me as an adult, you mm-hmm. know? Because when I was a kid, they were both old They're, to me, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, yes. it, okay, so the, it has to be, my, my takeaway here is that they just wanted 
Patricia arc. I don't think she was supposed to be older. I think they just wanted her beautiful, gentle yeah. portrayal mm-hmm. of Kate Barlow. And and she looks young until you see the two of them side by side. I know. And Dulé Hill is just like, mm. And she says, you're not a day over 25, which comes off so differently when she looks like 40. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Catherine has to be close to 40. <laughs> I think she really is, to be honest. Yes, yes. I, again, I don't think she's supposed to be, I think... I think they did a really You're good right. job of dressing that, her down. Yes. That is one thing I remember from the book. And listeners, please don't come at me if I'm wrong. But I think one thing I remember from the book is that Kate, Kissing Kate Barlow really is like 25. Yeah, she's or 27. Yes, both I'm pretty sure yes. she is supposed to be young. Yeah. I think and she I remember is. reading that and going, oh, I thought she was like a middle-aged woman. But I think Kristen yeah. is right. They just wanted Patricia. Arnett. Yeah. And, and she does a fantastic job. Ugh. So we get back to present day and X-ray pressures Stanley to give over his findings if he finds anything and then slaps his face twice in the most degrading way. <laughs> they Did do such a good this? job of setting up X-ray as like this, the dynamic that all the boys in detent have is so interesting because the hierarchy is so well, it's a prison hierarchy and mm-hmm. they do such a good job of not of setting up X-Ray as the leader without making him the villain. He's, it's just understood to me, at least that all these boys are doing what they have to, to survive. And they're not, they're not being overly cruel necessarily. It's just understood. Like this is a hard life, man. We Mm got to do what we got to do. I have earned my day. Yes. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting to me is caveman finally is about to get his nickname because he fell in line with x-ray and usually i'm used to the trope where um if you stand up for yourself and make a name for yourself then you're accepted this is very different it's like no now that you've submitted yourself to me fully i'll you know choose you as part of my i almost said gang i don't really mean a real gang like a no but yeah. yeah yeah i'll choose you as part of my group um i just find that interesting i think that you come off as more like if you can prove yourself as powerful and competent, usually you get respect. Uh, But in this scenario, as kids, it's just very different. It's like, oh, you're willing to follow the crowd. Okay. And I think they know that not following following the crowd, like this is prison, right? This is a this is no different from a prison environment. If you stick out, if you like anybody who's actually been to prison will tell you that trope of like the go in the first day and you beat up the biggest guy you can they all tell you like, that, that is nonsense. Don't do that. That's how you get yourself killed. What you do is you fall in line and you obey the orders in the hierarchy that is previously established. Mm-hmm. Y'all, I'm not gonna lie. This might have to be four episodes. I don't know. That would be crazy though, right? Four episodes on the movie holes. How are we feeling? Because there's so much to talk about. There's so much to talk. Okay, can we move on to the, can we move on to the group therapy session? Yes. Well, so is this the same? Well, we have one more scene before that. Oh, okay. okay. Then never mind. Um, so Caveman gets his nickname. And it's because uh, your old dude that doesn't have a name that you mentioned, like... Lump. Kristen. Lump, yeah, Lump is his name. Okay, Lump. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He starts, like, starting stuff with Caveman. And um, Caveman's ready to fight, which, like, good for you. Well, is he... I mean, he is he a bit or... It, a lot of it's just due to his clumsiness. Some of it is clumsiness. He kind of trips towards him, but he's also not taking 
I don't know if I, are we ever going to curse on this podcast? I already did. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, Chris already said shitty. So we're fine. Okay, so he's not taking <laughs> shit. Like same word. He's not, he's not wanting to take shit. He's like, Oh, what, what do you want? What now? Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting because like this guy, uh, wants to beat the living hell out of caveman, but just because I guess he like accidentally falls on him, suddenly he gets his nickname and he's accepted. And it's a really, really, really quick turn. And I love the cutaway to Zero grabbing the pool ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's already ready to fight for caveman uh-huh. and lethally grabbing a pool ball. Oh, you will you will kill a person. The, and That's we wild. see that multiple times most of the like fighting that they do is very chill like it's it looks aggressive but we've all like grown up with boys and been around boys we know a lot of the scuffling is harmless zero quite literally goes for the throat because he's been homeless because Mm -hmm. i hate to say it but this is almost definitely not the first time he's had to like go after somebody no survival he's lives in survival mode yeah exactly and so he's he's like when people fight here I go grabbing my blunt object that could definitely kill a person. Yes. Let's and move course, on to we the don't therapy. Know, yes. Of course, we don't know why. Yes. Um, love I love it. that therapy. in therapy, in the group therapy session where they're all, which we never see again, but it's kind of implied that this is a regular thing. Mm-hmm. I love um, that, first of all, that this is the first time we see Caveman making a joke, right? Uh, the doctor's mom says- yeah. Mom that. says, you know you're here because of one person, right? And Stanley says, yep, my good-for-nothing pig-stealing great-great-grandfather. I love that we see him making a joke. He's at ease. He's got his nickname. He's understanding his place in the hierarchy. He is mm-hmm. building character. But what I love totally. even more is the fact that the other boys have clearly heard this story before. They're all la- laughing in recognition of like, yeah, we all know is freaking pig stealing great great grandfather. <laughs> yeah, this is a story that they all know and is like become a part of that group already. Allison's panicking. <laughs> <laughs> they can see me on video. I'm over here looking at all of my pages of notes because it's a really good like timestamp for me. Like, oh, here's how far we are in the movie, if and we I'm panicking. Four, because... We have to do four. Like, should we just do four? Let's see where we get. We're at 40 minutes. Let's see where we get. All right. So moving on, I totally agree about the therapy. Is is there anything else you guys wanted to say about that Mm-mm. session? <clears throat> no, okay. not about the group therapy. So uh, now we get his letter from home, Stanley's. His mom has written him, and he's laughing out loud about the old lady who lived in his shoe because it must have smelled really bad. Um, that's a great little line. He's laughing. Zero's like, what are you laughing at? And we find out Zero can't read. And Caveman reacts to this in a way that I think, well, um, Zero asks if he would teach him. And I think Caveman reacts in a way that is cringy, but relatable. Like on one hand, I want him to be like, dude, teach him to read. What is wrong with you? But on the other hand, I am like, dude, he's digging holes in the Texas sun all day with rationed water, rationed food, rationed showers. Like the last thing you want to do, the the maybe one or two hours of free time you get a day, you don't really want to spend it being a teacher. I've I've been a teacher um, for several years. Uh, I'm not currently listeners, but I've done that for a long time. And yeah, that's work. And I, I understand his reaction, but it hurts my heart. I'm like, 
oh, help him. Y'all are friends, please. It, what do you guys think? Well, yeah, I mean, look, Zero is like the cutest thing. <laughs> I mean, I, Stanley's cute, but Zero's cuter. I just want to like, like smush him forever. I want to wrap him in a blanket, take him home, like feed him a nice dinner. Every, I want him to be so full that he can't move. Yes. I want him to feel safe. I want him to feel safe because that's something that he hasn't experienced. I mean, it sounds like even when he was with his mom, when he was young, he didn't have stability. And probably Camp Green Lake is the most stable environment he's ever been in. Yes. And he really put himself out on a limb. Yeah. And that's what's heartbreaking, right? It took probably courage. took a lot for him. This is the guy that didn't talk. And now because he's he, telling. Because he clearly, first he says, I don't know how to read. And he clearly wanted Caveman to offer. And he wasn't going to. So he, no. he puts himself fully out there and says, will you teach me? It hurts. It, it, was, it was very heartbreaking. Because we want to believe that Stanley is our hero that knows all the right things to say, all the right things to do. But at the end of the day, Stanley's just a 14, 15 year old kid. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he, he blunders that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know he fixes it later on, but yeah, that was, it, that, that is a somewhat sad moment. Um, but I think it is necessary. So armpit comes out, raises his arms, Everyone's dying from the smell. And my question is, why is Armpit proud of smelling bad? They're boys. They're weird. (laughs) They're boys. It's his nickname and they're boys. Boys, listen, listen. It has been well established that, I'm sorry, but I'm going to stick my flag and die on this hill. Boys need women to hold them to a higher standard of living. Okay? Because, and this is just clapping. This is just factual, okay? If boys didn't have to impress women, they would live in a filth of pizza boxes and not shower for days on end. And I love men. I am as straight as they I adore men. That is why I hold them. I do. This is which is why I hold them to a very high standard. But I, I think this is just kind of this is in the animal world too, right? Like men need to impress women. Anyway, yeah. the point is this camp is all boys. And they have nobody to impress except each other with how bad they smell. Yes. And let's be honest, all of those boys smell. Oh, man. All I, I mean, can think about this whole movie was how bad this place smells. That was I mean, all I they're think sweating about. all day. It Wasn't it sort of implied that they don't get fresh clothes all yes, the every time? Three it days. wasn't just implied. Yeah. Yes, it was stated. It. Okay. Right. Yeah. They have to wear the same work clothes for three days. Yeah. 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 So they're not showering regularly. They're not changing clothes regularly. I mean, it's it's ripe in those yeah. tents. They do they do get a shower. I think they do get a shower. Oh no, she says extra shower tokens. Yeah. Through me. Well, actually, I think we need to jump to that part, right? Which is where uh they go out for their next day, right? And Yes. Is this X-ray. the same scene as, as Armpit? Oh, yeah. So X-Ray right taking his things. Well, uh, just one quick note I wanted to make was that uh, in that scene, they're really excited to see one cloud. And that just uh. goes to show you. And they talk about how there's like never any rain. And it just shows you like how miserable this environment is. There's yeah. never clouds. There's like, never any cloud. shade. 
Yeah. <laughs> Never yeah. rain. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yes, we can move on past that. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I also freaking loved. Oh, wait. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm. We were talking about the, x-ray and the lipstick tube, right? Yes. Is this where yeah. Mr. Sir makes the joke about once upon a time there was a place that never rained? Or was that later? I think that's later. I, I think that is yeah. later. I'm okay, pretty keep sure. Going. Keep yeah. going. Ignore me. So, well, no. I, I, you had something to say, though, about like x-ray and that whole dynamic, right? I was just going to move us forward that, yeah, that that's that we see x-ray taking x-ray taking the thing again because he's he's been there the longest. This is mm-hmm. his his gang right. Listeners, um, Caveman finds the KB lipstick tube and uh, he actually doesn't willingly give it up to X-Ray, not immediately. Uh, Magnet sees him and comes over and is like, what have you got? And like puts him on the spot. And then he feels the need. Oh, now that everyone else has seen me, I have to give it up to X-Ray, which sucks. I feel that hard. He I don't think he was going to. I was going to ask, do we think he was going to give it? No, I don't don't think he was. And I think this is, again, we're seeing the, the first inklings of him becoming a confident person who is willing to stand up for himself because he does. I mean, he challenges X-ray at first and then, and then, you know, comes up with the story of, oh, well, you should wait until tomorrow to present it. Um, so I thought that was interesting, but no, I think if they hadn't seen him with it beforehand, I think he was just going to take it to Mr. Sir. I think so too. Oh, see, that's interesting. Cause I don't know if I totally agree. I think not that any of this matters cause it didn't happen, but I think he would have taken it, put it in his pocket and thought about it for a while and then realized, yeah, I could take this to Mr. Sir. Nobody knows. But once they see me get that reward, I'm going to be punished. And then I think mm, later so. on he would have given it to him at the clubhouse. Yeah. I think that's a good point. He might have had to yeah. think on it more, but might have ended up deciding to give it to X-Ray just as a strategic move. Yes. I, yeah. That's. Well, he could always pretend to find it at any time. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. So moving forward, I think we might be able to fit in uh, this last scene before we stop. So. Uh, we meet Sigourney Weaver as the warden. Oh, she's so beautiful. She's a masterclass in everything she does. Mm. And just all I could think of when I first saw her face was, God, she aged so beautifully, so naturally. I mean, she has just carried that with grace. Yes. And I know she's a villain. <laughs> But she, I, I stand her. I mean, just in general, she's she's a very beautiful, talented. wonderful actress. Oh yeah, I got some interesting flashbacks to how concerned are we about spoilers for other things? Well, it depends what it is and what's the spoiler. Cabin yeah. in the woods. I would say. I don't no, know. What do you guys think? All, all I wouldn't I, want I to ruin that for anyone. Brief. No, you're right. I will. No. I will keep this as like incredibly vague. Spoilers, vague, vague, vague spoilers for Cabin in the Woods. All I will say is that I got some interesting flashbacks to her role in Cabin in the Woods where she's basically non-existent for a good chunk of the movie mm-hmm. and then appears out of nowhere as someone in a position of power. Yeah. yeah, totally. She's so good at these powerful roles. Again, the power dynamics in this movie are incredible. This whole movie is about power. Absolutely. Yes. And honestly, um, even though this this cast is probably like 
I don't know, 80 or 90% male, like probably 90. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of men, but the women who are in it mm -hmm. were my idols growing up. Absolutely. Watching Sigourney Weaver as the warden and watching Kiss and Kate Barlow, those were examples to me, especially growing up in Texas and uh, like working on a ranch and stuff. These were just like badass Western women to me. Mm -hmm. And that's like, it was very formative for me watching these women. And the warden was a big part of that also kissing Kate, but, but the warden, like she doesn't care what anyone else thinks also to a fault, but like, she's not empathetic enough, but I just, her intro, she's in charge. <sighs> she, she's not going to take shit from anyone. And I really, really, really love her character. All the women in this movie, all two of the women, three of the women because of his mom as well. And the lawyer. So maybe yeah. is it just those four though? Well, it, it, do we count Zero's mom if she has no lines? Nah. Um, no. Okay, yeah. There's like four women in the movie. Um, but they all assert themselves so well. And we will talk about this in a different movie because thankfully it doesn't apply here. Nothing bothers me more in a movie than like, I'm a strong woman. Look at me. It's boring and so uninspired. And like, none of these women have to be masculine in order to get their point across or have to like state that they're strong. They just exist. And she they are still, all so yes. feminine. Yes. yes. Well, yeah, she had her rattlesnake na uh, nail polish. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait to talk oh, about that. <laughs> so many, I have... I think I took the most notes on that part. Um, but speaking again, sorry, just the word power, that's going to be a keyword for this. Mm -hmm. But one of the ways in which she establishes that she's really in charge here and that she really knows what's going on. Now, they talk about her having cameras in in the camp, and I don't yeah. think that's the case. But no. I think I, I actually thought about that. Like, how does she get that information? I assume that at the end of every single day, she sits down and she has like dailies with the two, mm -hmm. her two henchmen. They tell her, this mm -hmm. is the new guy. This is how he's fitting in. These are his friends. These are his enemies. And so when she comes out and she says, caveman, show me your canteen. Immediately he knows. I mean, as if he didn't already know. Oh, she actually knows what's going on around here. And that's scary. The show of power. Can yes. you hear the empty spaces? She she knew that, I mean, she rarely makes an appearance, right? right. It seems that way. Because yes. Stanley's been there a long time. First time we've they seen her. They do a her. great job of building up the suspense of her appearance. Yes. Uh -huh. And she uh, she knows. I mean, that, that was very purposeful. She wanted to find a way to show them just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I'm soft and I'm in charge. I'm in charge of the men that are in charge of y'all. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, again, a way that she established her power and set the tone without playing into that trope where it's, look at me, I'm a strong woman. I have a career yeah. and a family. Like it was, it was very well done. I'm curious as to, because obviously her first thought was like, I'm going to be magnanimous. Look at all. I want these boys to have this thought of me as being magnanimous. New shower tokens for everyone and fill all their canteens. And he like interrupts her. And I'm curious about like how much she was glad or not glad that he said something because it did give her an opportunity. It interrupted her being magnanimous. 
but it also gave her an opportunity to flex. It, yeah. yeah. How many times this is, I am willing to bet zero, obviously caveman's first time seeing her. Do we think any of the other boys in Detent have seen her? Doesn't one of them whisper that's the warden? But they don't they I mean they see But they might just know the it's a woman walking through the camp who's right. older than us. So we know the fe- uh the warden is female. So like that must be her. I don't know, honestly. I, don't know. I think that she is a mystery and that means that a lot of people haven't met her. They they do say he does take the point to say I've been here 6 months, I haven't found nothing nobody has Mm -hmm, so she mm -hmm. probably has not come out here now i think this is um a really good place to redirect to our closing uh no one's found anything caveman finally does x-ray takes it he gets the day off and the warden is very pleased and she decides to set up camp there now they're digging as a team rather than individual holes and you realize they are looking for something we knew as an audience, but the kids realize, oh, yeah, we're obviously trying to find something, but they won't tell us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Which actually, I think you just answered my question. This is the first time, this is probably the first time that this is that this have happened. Ha- sorry. Yeah. This is the first time that this has <laughs> happened. I can speak English. <laughs> Yeah. I think it is the first time someone has found something significant that allowed them to start pursuing their goal. Mm -hmm. I think that that's true. I think that's a great stopping point. Um, We've pivoted again. Instead of three episodes, we will now have four. You get so much more content. You know what, ladies? I think we should try our whole song again. You would you have, have to. We don't even know how it turned out the first time. We don't know. Okay, could we, what would you? Could could we do it like? Could we do it like per person instead of us trying to sync it up? Is that worse? That's worse. Ooh, I, I don't want to. I don't want to solo. I'm sing by myself. <laughs> Fine, I'll just do it. <laughs> we can do it. Again. We can all do it. Let's do it. Let's see if we sync up better this time. Yeah. Uh, Five, six, seven. Dig it up, dig it up, dig it, dig it up, dig it, dig it, dig it. Two shoes, two tokens in hand. Okay, I'll stop. Thanks so much for listening. If you have the time, guys, please rate and review us. It would mean the world. It bumps us up in the algorithm as a new podcast. It's huge. Also, word of mouth is going to be the biggest way to share this podcast. So if you know any decrepit millennials that need a little slice of happiness in their life, a little bump of nostalgia, please, please share with them. Uh, We would super appreciate it. All right. Tune in soon for the next episode. We love you.